Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. We're going to get right into it. Uh, Head to Luke chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 15 to 24. If you don't have uh, your Bibles, don't worry about it. We're going to have it on the screen behind me so you can follow along. A little context of what's happening and what we're reading. Jesus is having, uh, he's, he's breaking bread with people called the Pharisees. If you don't know who the Pharisees are, it's these men that were well versed. They're very intelligent in the word of God. Very smart, very intelligent, but they didn't have a good relationship with Jesus. They rejected Jesus. They thought Jesus was crazy because Jesus came on the scene saying he was the son of God. He was the Messiah. So basically they were always butting heads, but here Jesus is, is he's literally eating with them. He's in hostile territory, but he shares this story. And I want to break down what this story means. As we move forward this year, I believe this story, what Jesus shares, can help us spiritually. And it says this, verse 15, it says, One of those that was at the table with him heard this and said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So the master, he, he's having a house party. The food's ready. It's time to hang out. It's time to have a good time. So he sends a servant to tell everybody that's invited, hey, the food is ready. You guys can come. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets, the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. So forget everybody that was invited. We're just going to invite everybody on the streets. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads, country lanes, and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Crazy story. And then we're going to break it down. We're going to see how it applies to our lives. If you're taking notes. I hope you are. The title of my message is, What's Your Excuse? What's Your Excuse? Not here to step on toes. Just thought it was a catchy title. That's all. I just, what's your excuse? And we're going to break this down and ask God to bless our time. Let's pray. And let's believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for every single person that's here watching online. We're praying, God, that more than someone on a microphone, that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us. You would challenge us. You would teach us new things. You would encourage us. You you would fire us up for this year. This would be a new year full of prosperity. It would be full of your glory. You would open doors of opportunity for us, protect our families, our marriages, that that we would just have the best year yet. And that, Lord, you would just speak to us. Help us grow grow, uh, just a new mindset in us, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So what's the worst excuse you've ever given somebody? Now, like, don't say it out loud right now, but just have it in your mind. Think about it. Maybe it was your boss, your spouse. Think about the worst excuse you've ever given. One day, I was on my iPad, and I decided to Google what the worst excuse or what are the weirdest excuses anybody's ever given to their employer. And I found two articles that they did a survey from employees of different workplaces and the excuses that were given. So I have a list here with me. Experience.com, Business Insider were my, uh, my resources. And uh, I decided to share this with you guys. So maybe if you want to grab an excuse, use it for next time, you can go ahead. That's what you learn in church. And I'll just, you know, fine print. These are real people. I didn't make these up. I didn't like, these are real people, real excuses given to people that get paid. Anyways, first one, I was sprayed by a skunk. You know, maybe they live in the South, you know, there's a lot of skunks there. My bus broke down and was held up by robbers. Like, I'm not saying these people are liars. This is just this is the excuse they gave. A hitman was looking for me. <laughs> It's like real life GTA. This is crazy. It's like a hitman trying to find me. My brain went to sleep and I couldn't wake up. It happens, I guess, you know? My monkey died. R.I.P. Chim Chim. Uh, my cat unplugged my alarm. This is why cats are satanic. That's why you shouldn't have a cat. This is what they do. That's just, it's the proof is, I look, not my excuse. It's just this was the one I was given. I had to ship my grandma's bones to India. No, she passed away 20 years ago. <laughs> so, you know, the bones are getting there a little late. My employees said their uniform didn't fit, so they called in fat. <laughs> An employee said her dog swallowed the car keys, so she was waiting until they came out. Now, if you're going to compare this to what the cat did, it's totally different. The dog ate the keys so he can love on the owner a little bit more. The cat just unplugged the alarm because they're jerks. That's just it's the difference. It's not the same thing. Dogs are better. La or no, two more. <laughs> I was spit on by a venomous snake. And then this is my favorite one. An employee said he, bro <laughs> he broke his arm wrestling a female bodybuilder. It's a wild night, wild Christmas break. This is what. <laughs> as crazy as these sound, right? These are real people, real excuses. As crazy as these sound, we've all given excuses to get out of things. All of us. It's a part of, as, as sad it is to admit it, we, we'll throw an excuse to save ourselves. If we got caught red-handed, we, we were late to our bosses. We, we use excuses. We've given excuses to our spouses, to our kids, to our bosses, our co-workers. Like we've given excuses to everyone. We've even given excuses to God. Sometimes we give the most excuses to God. We give excuses for not coming to church. Ah, oh, it's raining outside. That's not a check. We have a roof in the church. I, you know, I don't think you're going to get wet. It's going to be okay. We give excuses for not going to our connect groups. Ah, well, I went last week, and you know, I feel like I'm doing good. I'm in a good place. I don't, I don't need community this week. We give an excuse for not living a godly lifestyle. We give excuses for not going to the gym. We give excuses for not going after that business we've been wanting to start since we were little kids. We, we give excuses for seeing that therapist we know we need to see because our marriage is on the rocks. We, we give excuses for things we know are going to help us, but in our human nature, we default to these excuses. Now, here's a problem I want to talk about as we read this story. The problem with excuses is that excuses will always be there for you. Opportunity won't. So we can, you can have a bag of excuses that you can pull off for anything, but sometimes those opportunities that you've been praying about, you've been hoping for, might not happen. 
Like, what if you come to church and it's today that you need a word, a prophetic word that you are, your family, you need it for your family, you need it for your business, you need it for yourself, but you gave an excuse and didn't show up. You need to walk in it. Maybe that one song, you find the healing you've been praying for. Or maybe you have that one conversation in that lobby right there that changes your entire life. But we give an excuse. Or maybe you've been sitting on a book idea, but you feel like you're not qualified. Or you want to start this business, but you feel like you're not supported by your family and you feel like it's, gonna, it's never going to get off the ground. We give excuses and we realize that we'll lose these opportunities. You can excuse yourself out of a blessing. You can excuse yourself out of a blessing, out of the thing that you need, that you prayed about, that you've been hoping for. An excuse can eliminate that from your life. An excuse, something that is so freely given, something that just we feel like is a natural part of life, can be the very thing that holds us back from experiencing God's goodness. And as we move forward into 2022, I believe our mindset should be less excuses and more experiences. More experience of God's goodness. More experience of God's people. More experience with God's peace. No more excuses. No more saying, oh, I got an excuse for this. Let's go all in on Jesus. Go all in on your dreams, on your calling, and watch what happens. Or you can live the same life you did in 2021, 2022, 2019. The same, the same things that have been holding you back for the things you've wanted to go after, the, the changes you know you've needed to make, but you've had an excuse for it. You could keep on using those or you could say, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. This year is going to be different. I'm going all in. I'm moving forward with Jesus. Because if we look at our story, we see how to miss out on God 101 right here. Jesus is sharing this story. And like I said, he's in hostile, hostile territory. But yet Jesus being bold and having the faith that he's like, I'm just going to share this story because some of you need to hear this. So he shares this parable and it's crazy. The parable, the basis of it is, is you have this master and he's throwing a party. And so he, it's, it's time for the guests that were invited to come and join. So he sent his servant out to remind everybody that was invited that, this, that said yes to the invitation to come. Now, why this is so crucial is because in those times, remember, they didn't have watches, there was no clocks. So what they did was, if somebody was going to throw a party, somebody was going to have a banquet, they set out invitations months in advance. How many know that you could still send an invitation to Latinos months in advance, they'll still show up late? <laughs> what time is it? It's 8 p.m. When is it? It's two months from now. Okay, awesome. Still show up at 9 p.m. So you have time to prepare and say, okay, I have a banquet on this day. And what they would do in those times is that the, the exact time, the official time of the banquet wouldn't be given till the day of. So you, you've been clearing your calendar. You know it's this day. Now what you're doing is you're waiting for the notification. Hey, the food's ready. The party's ready. It's time to come. And so what happens in our story, we see what our relationship with Jesus and God the Father looks like. You have the master that represents God, Jesus that represents the servant that came down to let people know that God's house is for every single person, but his message was rejected. And then you have the invited guests, that is the Jewish nation and us, who are invited, but sometimes we give an excuse and reject the invitation that God has given us. And so what happens in our story, Jesus is is representing the servant going, hey, I'm going to go tell everybody the time has come to come to the party. And when he does that, what happens? Excuse, excuse, excuse. Literally every excuse is, is, is a crazy thing. You look at the first one. The first guy says, I just bought a field. I have to go and see it. Who buys something without seeing it first? I mean, they didn't have Prime. I know sometimes you just click on Prime and it's just like, oh, it just clicked. It just happened. It just came here. Two days. 
bought five oxen on my way to try them out. Who buys something without trying it out? I just got married. Okay. And now we look at these things and we're like, okay, these excuses, like how dare they? They, com- they committed to this far in advance. How can they do this? And before we judge, we have to realize that a lot of us can make the same mistakes that everybody in this parable made. And I'm not here, I'm not, I'm sorry, this is for me too, that I don't want to have a year where I'm making excuses for my job, for my family, that I want to make sure that I'm not like these people, that when God invites me to something good, I don't have an answer to say no. And what that happens is the mistake they make is they delay in responding to the invitation because they settle for second best. They said, I'd rather go see my property than go to the party. I'd rather go see my purchases than go to the party. I'll put my marriage before the party. Now, before, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that it's not wrong to have property. I'm not saying it's wrong to examine your purchases. I'm not saying it's wrong to take your wife out uh, for dinner every once in a while. Like, I'm not saying those things are wrong. But what I'm saying is, if those good things hold you back from experience, the best thing, they become bad things. Like, the, Jesus is the greatest gift that we have known to mankind. And it's not that I add Jesus to the good things, it's that I put Jesus first and he adds the, the best things to everything, my marriage, my kids, my family, like, it's not vice versa. It's not like, God, I'm going to sprinkle you in my marriage and see what happens. No, it's Jesus, I'm going to put you first over my marriage and because of that, you're going to bless my marriage. You're going to honor my marriage. It's going to have a healthy, you're going to be at the center of it all. I'm going to give my kids before you, Jesus, because you love them more than I do. And you care about them and you want to protect them and you want to have good things for them. It's not that, it's not that we're, putting it le- we're not putting it under Jesus because it has less value. But if we could be honest, it's Jesus is the most important thing in our life. And if we put him in his right place, what happens is we start to see blessings in all areas of our life that usually would be above Jesus. And so we, happen, so we do the same thing that, these, that everybody in this story does. You want to handle your money better? You put Jesus first. You want to be more content in your life? Put Jesus first. You want to have a healthy marriage? Put Jesus first. It's the greatest decision you can make for this year. You look at your life. Where are my priorities? Where, where, where's my time go? Where's my, my finances go? Where my resources go? Is Jesus first in every aspect of my life? Because if he isn't, then that might be the root core of the issues you've been having. If he's first, he's, he's, he's my everything. I, I run everything by him. He sees me. He knows me. He died for me. How can I not put him first? And when we do that, we see how our life starts to change. So this is, this is it. Jesus is telling us, hey, you're invited to the banquet. So the question I want to ask all of us is, what's our excuse for not coming? What's our excuse? Is it that we don't believe in God? Is it that we're too busy? Family's all over the place. I got to take the kids to soccer. I got to take care of my grandma. Like, I get it. We try to control everything and feel like if we can just be in control, then we'll have peace. But sometimes to find balance, you got to lose it. And you got to be like, I, I can't be in control. I've tried, to, I've tried to take care of everybody in my family, but I feel like my peace is just going, it's getting worse and worse. I'm losing it by the day and I feel like my life is headed toward a dead end. Is it that you feel like you're not welcome to the banquet? You have addictions, you have things hidden that nobody knows about, that you, that, that you know God sees and you're ashamed to even talk to him you feel like no you feel like someone like you can't even step foot in a room with God we have to understand this and I hope that this comes across in the way I wanted to because if there's one thing you get from this message is this that hope doesn't begin until excuses end like the hope that you've been looking for 
the hope of, in, in the craziness in the society that we're living in, right? You turn on the news, you got COVID outbreaks. It's like, where is the hope that I need? Where is the hope that I'm looking for? And if we keep making excuses for everything in our life and realize that the hope is right in front of us and it's Jesus and he's looking at us with arms open wide saying, hey, I'm ready to do an amazing thing in your life. If you would stop giving excuses and take that step moving forward towards me, maybe things in your life will change. Maybe things in your life will get better. Not easier, but better. A lot of us, we got to be careful that we don't allow excuses to take away the hope that we so desperately need in a society, in a country that seems to be lacking and not pushing hope. That the world is ending tomorrow and this and that. No, no, there's always hope in Jesus. There's always hope in Jesus. There's a, a quote I love from Charles Spurgeon. He says this, excuses are curses. And when you have no excuses left, then there will be hope for you. When we get to the point in our life where we're saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm done giving excuses. It is time to get in the gym. It is time to see a therapist. It is time for get my dream, to get my dream off the ground, to, to, to read my Bible daily, to, to be a part of dream team, to do growth track, to get in a connect group. I'm done making excuses. I want my life to change. Until we do that, things will stay the same. You might have good days, a good week, a good month, but you may not have a good life. And so, and so what happens is we just got to be like, am I going to keep giving excuses to God, to my family, to myself? Or am I going to say, you know what? Enough's enough. I've seen where this life is taking me and I want something better for it. I want something more. There's got to be more to life than this. And there is, it's a life in Jesus. I love this verse and I feel like it, it explains what I'm trying to say so perfectly. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, it says this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will. It's a promise. A life with Jesus, you'll find rest for your souls. Everything else in this world won't give you the rest that Jesus wants to give you. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give you is like, let go of control and accept Jesus this year. Accept him over every area. Trust him in every, in every area and watch how he will change your life. Jesus continues the story by, uh, by sharing how the servant comes back to the master and he tells the master, hey, everybody you invited said no. So the master got angry and goes, okay, I need you to go out and tell everybody that you see on the streets, tell them to come to the party. They're invited. Forget everybody that was invited, tell them to come. And, and why does Jesus share this in the story? Well, he shares this because this parable is teaching us that God wants his house to be filled. God wants his space, his church, his community to be filled with people that experience the love of God, that, don't, that are far from God, but not can be close to God. And who is the people, who are the ones that are going to make that happen? It's all of us. Just like the servant, we are called, like Jesus was, to spread the message of the good news of the gospel to people. People don't know they're invited because they're waiting on your invitation. People are like, man, like, like, there's got to be more life to this. Like, like, I've been trying to do things. I have all the money in the world. I, I have all the relationships. I feel like life is good, but I still feel like something's missing. What is it? They're waiting for that invitation to tell you it's Jesus. You're missing Jesus, but I have this invitation that you can come and join him at his banquet. He's got a seat for you. He's got a plate for you. It doesn't matter about your addiction. It doesn't matter what you look like, what, what your background is. You have a seat at my table. Sit next to me. It's going to be the best banquet of your entire life. God wants his house to be filled. The Christian life is a feast, not a funeral. Everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. It's the best news ever that every single person, no matter what their preference, no matter what their hobbies are, what they're into, they have a spot next to God at his table. The God of the universe who loves us so much doesn't see us as the world sees us. 
but he sees that those that are longing for something and it's him and he's ready to give that gift. We're to go to the, the streets, the lanes, the highways, schools, social media, and spread the good news of the gospel. Here's the thing. Our mission, if we're going to move forward in our lives, we got to understand what our mission is. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, a disciple of Jesus, this is your mission. Like, this is it right here. Mark 16, 15, it says this. And Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everybody. That's, this is it. And the reason it's so quiet is because what the verse is not saying is, go into applying to the job that you wanted and you're going to get it. And then you're going to know what you're supposed to be. You're going to know what your purpose in life is. Like we don't, we don't like this because it's not glamorous. It's not what we, we really want. Like I want God to tell me I'm supposed to be a doctor. I want God to tell me that I'm supposed to be a lawyer. I want him to give me, I want, me, I want him to make me wealthy. I want him to do all these things. But in reality, you can't have those things until you do the mission first. Like this is it. This is all we're like, if you want to know what you wake up every day and what your life is supposed to be as a believer is to go out and preach the good news to everybody with your life, with how you speak, with how you live, with what you post on social media, the interactions you have with people. Is it all about Jesus? Are you, are you being a, a Christ, an example, the image of Jesus? Is it showing in your life? Or are you focused on other things? Because here's the thing, you won't have that specific will, that specific purpose in your life until you do this first. So maybe you're in college and you're trying to figure out what's next for your life. What, what am I on this planet to do? Do this first and watch how God will open specific doors in your life to show you. But it starts here. If you want to move forward, start by living out the mission of Jesus. And here's the thing. We got to be careful because something I'm, I'm challenged by is that that mission is not always something that I do in my life. And I got to do better at that. Because I know people in my life that need Jesus and I haven't told them about him. Sometimes if I could be honest, I could feel like my job is only done on Sundays and Fridays. In reality, that's not the truth. The whole world is not in this building. There's still people in Miami that don't know Jesus, that don't, that don't know about the good news of the gospel. And I have to make sure that I'm not stopping that mission. So what I try to tell myself, I try to put a gauge in my life, and maybe you could do the same, is that if I'm not reaching people in my life, that means I become too relaxed. I become too comfortable in my relationship with Jesus. That I haven't, I haven't talked to Jesus about anybody else. Maybe in my church bubble, but that's easy but I haven't talked to the person that I get my coffee from every day about Jesus. I haven't talked to my coworker about Jesus. Maybe I've become too relaxed. I need to get a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to give you peace and not give you a good life, but, but he didn't come to give you relaxation. He came that you would have a mission to help those that everything else is a blessing. So maybe we come relaxed and we know family members, we know people. And this is, this is a crazy verse that I'm going to read, but it it kind of fires me up to realize that I don't want my life to be like this. James 4, 17 says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. It's a sin. It's not like, oh, you messed up, Phil. It's okay. No, you sinned. And, that, and that's, that's convicting to me because sometimes we could put sin in a box and like, well, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't look at that coworker today and I want to respect my wife, so I didn't sin in that way. And we put sins as like different variants of it. Well, like, no, it's, it's sin is sin. And just because we didn't watch a certain thing we're not supposed to watch, even though we didn't curse, you know, we didn't say bad words, we still sin when we know what we ought to do and not do it. And sometimes that's giving people the, the love of Jesus, the gospel, inviting them to church. And we know it. sometimes there's that prompting, like, I should talk to this person. And then we don't do it. It happens. We got to get out of that bubble and say, I'm going to talk to somebody about Jesus in my family. And this is where we start. If you're saying, well, Phil, how do I reach the whole world? What does that look like? Where do I start? Here's the thing. Start with your world. Start with who are, think of somebody in your mind right now, their face, their image of who you know they need Jesus. 
Like right now, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a cousin, maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a sister, a brother, your son or your daughter. You know they need Jesus. Start with them. Because I can't preach, Pastor Alex can't preach to your family, to your coworkers, but you can. And the best part is that Holy Spirit's inside of you. So if you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will say it for you. You have the power that, that is supernatural in you that will give you boldness and strength and will get that fear out of you and say, man, you know what? Today, I've been sitting next to this person for 30 years and they don't even know I go to church. I'm going to tell them about church today. And, and watch what happens. That you can have the honor of being a part of seeing people get to know who Jesus is and seeing their life changed. You, want, you used to see this person one way, now they're another way. They're sitting next to you. They were sitting next to you at work, now they're sitting next to you at church. That's the life we should go after. That's the, that's the mission we should go after. And how Jesus tells us in our story, the servant goes, well, how do I do this? The master says, compel them to come. Compel. What is compel? To me? Compel means to persuade, to convince people to come. And the best way for this strategy to work is we got to seek people who may be receptive. Now, I thought it was all people, Phil. Yeah, it is all people. But not everybody's going to be hunky-dory about the gospel when you tell them. Not everybody's, not everybody's friends with Jesus. Not everybody likes Jesus. Jesus is a little controversial with people. And so don't be surprised when you get pushback. And that's okay. But here's the thing. This is a strategy they did in the New Testament. A, good, a wise fisherman doesn't fish in a place that's not biting. What he does is he knows that fish eat at different times and places. So I'm going to go where the fish are biting because they're more receptive. And so they might be ready to receive the gospel of Jesus instead of these people. Not that we don't try, not that we ignore them, not that we forget about them. But who's, who in your life right now is receptive? Like who in your life do you know is like, man, all I have to do is invite them. And I know they'll come. I know they're ready. I know they're seeking. They know they, they want something. And all I have to do is invite them. They'll be receptive. Say, you know what? I'll, I'll go. I'll try it out. I may not like it, you know, they'll, they'll, there's always excuses and things like that, but, but they'll come. And when they come, their life will be changed. And you will have a part in that. That God would allow us sinners to have a part in people getting saved by Jesus. Matthew 10, 14 says this, If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake off the dust of your feet. Don't beat yourself up if nobody comes to church. Don't beat yourself up if nobody's responsive to the gospel. It's okay. Shake off your feet and go on to the next person. Because our job is never to grow the seed, it's only to plant it. We plant it, we do our job, and we believe and we pray and we, we back it up with prayer that God will do in His time what we can never do. It's change people. It's, it's for, the, for the seed to sprout and people do get healed and people do come in their own timing. It's God's perfect timing. But our job is to plant the seed and God does the rest. So how do we know if somebody will be receptive or not? I believe there's two ways that we'll know if somebody in your life, your coworker, your family member, somebody that you know closely is receptive or ready to receive the gospel. It's usually people in transition or people under tension that will be receptive to the gospel. What do you mean transition? Well, maybe they're going through a transition in their life, a divorce, lost a family member, got a new job, moved from a new town. There's just, it's a transitional thing. They're just they're experiencing new things, things they've never felt before. Some of them hurt. Some of them can be nerve-wracking. Some can be anxiety-inducing. It's in those moments that the very thing that they need, they just don't know it yet, is Jesus. That Jesus can help them in this transition, whether it's hurting, whether it's, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, that Jesus can help them. People in transition are, are searching, are looking, are, are 
are usually at rock bottom and they just need somebody to give them hope and we can give them hope in that transitional moment. People under tension, emotional tension, physical tension, financial tension, mental tension. I believe that some people are hurting from mental health because they don't realize that Jesus and science can help them. And you're like, what Jesus? Well, Jesus created science. Here's the thing. I believe prayer works. But what if there's a good Christian therapist who gives prophetic words to the patient every single day and your life has changed because of not just prayer, but you're seeing somebody who knows scripture, knows the word, believes in the Holy Spirit, and is well-versed in therapy. You don't have to struggle anymore because you've been praying and you've been praying and we believe in the power of prayer, but maybe there's something you just, you just need help. You need to talk to somebody. You don't have to go through that mental health anymore. You don't have to be under that tension anymore. People in transition under tension. There's people in your life that are in one of these areas. And I'm telling you, it'll be so, it's gonna be scary at first. Oh my God, what if they say no? What if they make fun of me? What if they, what if I'm, it's just embarrassing. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Do it and watch what happens. Imagine seeing your whole family here at church, serving, lifting their hands up. Imagine seeing your kids here next to you at church. Imagine seeing your financial system right now, maybe it's a mess, but when you give it to Jesus and you learn how to live biblical financial principles, your life changes and you're not in debt anymore. Imagine what we would do if we would just stop giving excuses and start seeing that there's more to our life than just every single day, the going through the motions. What would our year look like? What would 2022 look like if we just said no more excuses? I have a mission, I have a mission, I have a purpose and I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna believe that God is with me. He's for me, he's not against me and he wants to use me more than just coming on Sundays. What would your life look like? What would your year look like? Maybe you're here in this place and this is you. You're in transition and you're under tension. What I wanna tell you is that your invitation still stands. God loves you. God cares about you. Since the beginning of time, he's known about, he's created you. He's known you since you were in your mother's womb. Knows everything you're going through, everything that you're struggling with. And yet you have a seat at the table in his house. And all of us are invited. But here's the thing, God's not gonna, the table's there, the seat's there, your name's on it. But it's up to every single one of us whether we say yes or no to the invitation. So my prayer today, my prayer was this morning, was that many on the fence, many giving excuses, would stop and say, I'm coming. I'm coming to the party. I'm gonna experience Jesus. I'm gonna give him a shot. I'm gonna give him a chance. I'm gonna put my faith in him. Everything around me is falling apart, but I'm gonna give him a chance. And I believe that if you do that, your life will change forever for the better. And you're, you're gonna be blown away by the opportunities that Jesus is gonna give you and use you in a mighty and powerful way. Why don't we stand up to our feet as we wrap up service? In this moment, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your life may look like. I don't know the ins and outs. But I know this, that you'll never regret accepting Jesus into your life. You won't regret it. The beautiful thing is that what Jesus did for us and why being a Christian and the the religion of Christianity is so beautiful is that the Savior, the one that we worship, did all the work. It's not, hey, do this and this, and then you'll get to heaven. Do this or that, and then you'll find joy. No, it's, I did this, now have joy. 
And so what Jesus did, he literally, the son of God in heaven, the plan was God was gonna send his son as a baby to start from scratch, to grow up into a man. And his whole mission was gonna be on a die on the cross for you and for me. That was it. Jesus was gonna go through the, the journey of being a child, learning how to walk, learning how to speak, the time consuming, the years that takes to be a little kid, then to be a teenager and to be a man. In all those years, the only thing on his mind was you and how much he loves you and how much he can't wait for you to understand and experience what it is to have your sins forgiven and to have a brand new life. And that's why Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to feel guilty. It's not a guilt trip like, oh, I died on the cross for you. you the least you could do is like lift your hand during worship. No, it's not that. It's I died on the cross because whether you accept me or not, I love you. And so today, the, the gift of grace, the gift of salvation is free because of Jesus. He got on that cross. He died on that cross. He was buried in a tomb on the third day where all hope was lost. Jesus was, he rose from the grave. We believe he's alive today. We believe Jesus is still doing miracles. He's still healing people. He's still giving you purpose. He's still helping you when you, when you feel like everything else is crumbling. Jesus is alive today and he wants to meet you. He wants, to, he wants to love you. He wants to open doors of opportunity. He wants to bless you. He wants to forgive you of your sins and let you know that the world may be crazy and everything around you is going nuts, but you're going to be okay. So what does that look like? The invitation is set. Now we need to accept it. So what I want to do is I want to give people that opportunity to accept the invitation of a free life in Jesus. If we could bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment of privacy and intimacy. You're in this place. You don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never made a decision to become a Christian, to have your sins forgiven, to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Today, I want to give you the opportunity. It's a free gift. All you have to do is put your life in his hands. All you have to do is surrender your heart. Come on, we have a brand new year. What a better opportunity. Tomorrow is promised to no man. The Bible says that life is but a vapor, a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't feel like you have to get your life together and do all your New Year's resolutions and then come back to Jesus. No, you can't do any of those things without Jesus. So why not today? Why not right now? Why not this moment to have your life forever changed? If that's you, you're saying, Phil, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. What I'm going to ask you to do, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put a mic in your face. I'm not going to call you out. What I want to do is just see who I'm praying for. So on the count of three, if you want to accept Jesus for the very first time, you want to Put your life in his hands. On the count of three, you just lift it up. I'm not going to call you out. Just lift it up. I want to see who I'm praying for. One, two, three. You lift it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. I see you. Amazing. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Here's what I'm going to do. If you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And the beautiful thing, as a church, we're going to say it together. We're going to back you up. We're going to come alongside you because we're family now. You're a part of the family of God, and we love you so much, and we're so pumped for you. We're so excited to see what God does in your life. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say this prayer. This prayer is not a magical prayer that you pray it, and like all the troubles in your life go away. No. What it is is you're praying now, and you're telling Jesus that you're all in. That you're saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm giving my life to you. I'm making this official. I'm not playing games. I'm not making excuses. I'm giving you my whole heart. It's repeat after me prayer. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you 
all the days of my life. Jesus, I thank you and I love you. And everybody said, come on, let's put our hands together for every single person that raised their hands. Amazing. Hey, if you raise your hand, best decision you can make this year for your whole life. I believe that if I put a mic in everybody's hand that made that decision one day, they'll tell you nothing but good things and how it is truly the greatest decision they can make. That your life will never be the same ever again because now you have Jesus, the Son of God, with you every step of the way. And that's a good news for us. Thank you so much, Rich. Here's what you want to do. As a church, we know that this journey might be filled with questions. You might be like, well, I don't really understand what I just did. I don't even know what my next step is. I don't even know what, what am I supposed to do. Here's the thing. It's okay to have questions. It's okay not to have it all together. But what it's not okay to do is not leave here without a Bible. Because it is free, no charge, and it's our gift from us to you. And we thank every single person that gives every day to church and helps us give these out for free. And so here's what we're going to do. After service, don't run straight to your car. We have Dream Team members outside in the lobby. They're the nicest, nicer than everybody that works at Chick-fil-A. They're nicer. They're that nice. They're amazing. Get one of these Bibles from them, free. If you need prayer, they'll pray for you as well. If you don't need prayer, that's fine. Just grab one of these, take it home, start reading it. I love this Bible because it's super easy to read. There's little side notes. If you're, under, you're like, oh, I don't know how to pray, or I don't know, what, what's faith really mean? There's little things in here that help you. So, so no excuses. Get a Bible, read it, and have it change your life. It's free. I believe it's going to be the best thing you can do. But church, as we start this new year, Come on, if we want something we've never had, we got to do things we've never done. And so what's it going to be? What, what changes are we going to make? What things are we going to do spiritually in our lives that we've never done before? Maybe it's trying to read the Bible every day. Maybe it's setting 10 minutes aside to pray with no music, no nothing but silence. Come on, we can make resolutions for the gym. We can make resolutions for all the, all the things the world has to offer. But the last thing we do is spiritual resolutions. For me, I feel like we got to do that first. It's like, I want to be closer to Jesus than ever before. Because if I am, then my marriage will be better. If I am, then my family will be better. I'll be more pumped to take care of my body and to go to the gym and to eat right. And so let's leave here knowing that it's Jesus and Jesus alone is the one that we should be chasing. So why don't we lift up our hands across this place? Come on, let's sing this song out. Let's worship Him. Come on, let's gonna, I declare this will be the best year of your entire life. Come on, Jesus has things ready for you. Now it's our job to step forth, to step into every blessing, to step into every prophetic word. Come on, God loves you so, so much. Don't run away from him. Don't, don't let him change. Like, let's be all in for him. So come on, church, let's sing this out. Let's declare it all.